the fuck? I did. The average person is said to know anywhere from 15 to 20,000 words. And an educated person is said to know approximately 10,000 words. And a highly educated person is believed to have somewhere between 40 to 50,000 words in their working vocabulary. There are approximately, what is it, 250,000 words in the English language. So there's substantial room for pretty much all of us to uh, improve and learn a great deal more words. The question is, why is this important? Welcome to the Paradigm Lift Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot E, and this is episode 38, Wordplay. So, wordplay, what exactly is wordplay? And some people would call, you know, would call wordplay semantics. Um, in fancier circles, it's regarded as neuro-linguistic programming. Words are very important. Why? Well, words create images in our minds. So, and, you know, we're very creative with the images we create, and we, uh, we form very strong feelings behind the images we create and that produces action that stimulates our behavior and you know the only way you can accumulate more words is by reading books emotions are empirical among us all but our feelings are subjective feelings are determined by the words we apply to emotions emotions we experience dependent upon context but we also construct a lot of uh, our emotional constructs and the feelings we, we apply to them, you know, through our words. A repertoire of expressive words enriches our emotional lives because we have now a much more, more broader range of feelings we can experience and express because we have more words to modulate our experiences. If we are limited in the words that we have at our disposal, then we're limited in the emotional responses we can create. Thus, we are limited in what we believe we can do. We're limited in what we can feel. If we are limited in the words we use, then we are also limited in how we can frame things. Framing is very important. It is something that we implicitly do. Very few of us take the time out to actually practice this skill and become good at it. So why is framing important? Because framing is that thing that makes us take that invisible but very real thing called context. And it gives us the agility to basically take a situation, an environment, or an experience and to get the most out of it. So we have very limited control over a lot of things that happens in the realm of the subjective world where randomness is a, a part of so many things. But we always have um, control over our response to things. And our response to things is predicated upon the context we place on, on something. So for instance, 
a very long time ago, I had a car stolen of mine. And I'll never forget Sonia Delgado, who worked for CUNY, who conducted a communications class that I was uh, a part of, a leadership conference. She said something that stood with me. She said, whenever you're angry at someone, it's not that person you're angry at. And I was one of the few people in that workshop that got it, you know. A lot of people were challenging her on that and they thought it was nonsensical, but she was, you know, she was speaking in terms of ownership. She was speaking in terms of employing a mindset. And this mindset, if you can work to employ it, gives you agility with your context. It helps you to frame things and then reframe things. And I had a car of mine stolen, which... I was upset behind because it, you know, it um, created a, a certain level of inconvenience for me. But the reality is, is I was more angry at myself than the people who stole it. The people who stole it obviously stole it because I don't, you know, I'm making up a situation. I'm creating a context. Uh, maybe they need money. Maybe they were on hard times. I don't know. Now, why that person stole my car? is actually irrelevant, but how I decide to respond to it is very important. So, you know, if I would have gotten angry and become destructive, there's nothing productive that comes out of that. So I took it upon myself. Well, you know, I'm really angry at myself because I'm not in a position where it's not a big deal to me. I wasn't in a financial place where it would be nothing for me to just go out and get another car. So I decided to own that anger and then I used that to help motivate me to do other things, to try and empower myself. And that's an example of being flexible with context and being able to reframe things. And this is an ability that we all have the potential for. Because nothing is fixed in our minds. We just pretty much behave like things are fixed in our minds. But things are not fixed in our minds. And if you want to get really good with being agile with context and the application of it, you have to become very good at framing and reframing situations and experiences with the mindset of reframing something to position yourself to move into a direction of behavior that is consciously desired. So what exactly do I mean by that? We have to get better at manipulating ourselves emotionally. Because emotion is what creates movement. So, the way to get good at that is to improve your wordplay. Because if you can only come up with a few words for, say, sensory, sensory experiences that increase... Your heart rate, dilate your pupils, get adrenaline pumping in your body, cut off the blood supply to your abdomen and increase it to your extremities. If you only have the word fear in your vocabulary to apply to those sensations, then you're only ever going to experience fear when the body's going through that. On the other hand, if you have the word excitement in your backpack, you have the word love 
in your backpack. Or maybe lust. I don't know. One or the other. You guys know the feeling. When the body experiences those sensations, you can take a moment, take a step back, assess what's going on, and then apply a different word to those sensations to experience a completely different feeling. Right? Some people love roller coasters and some people are scared to death of them. But the body's going through the same thing. The people who love roller coasters have one word that they apply to those emotions to create that feeling. And the people that hate roller coasters or are scared to death of them have another word that they apply to bodily sensations when they're on that roller coaster. Both people are experiencing the exact same thing. The roller coaster The roller coaster is not doing anything different for one person to the other. It's the exact same experience, it's the exact same situation, it's the exact same stimulants. But two people will have a very different experience on a roller coaster. And that holds for pretty much everything in life based on your culture, your experiences, your narratives, um, your religion your political beliefs, all that stuff. And all of those things that I've just mentioned are not anything you're born with. Those are things you're born into. Those are things you learn. Those are things you become hardwired to. So you create them. You create all the feelings that are associated with all of those things that I've just mentioned. And in a lot of ways, that's a prison. And what I mean by that is when you're conditioned to only feel or respond to one situation in one way, you're not giving yourself options. You're not giving yourself options to, number one, experience different feelings given that thing, and you're not giving yourself options to do different things in the face of that experience. You have to look at it as if you open up your closet and the mood you're in can determine the clothes that you choose. The mood you want to be in can determine the clothes that you choose because clothes can impact how we feel, think, and uh, the things we do, right? You can look outside, see what the weather is, and choose accordingly an outfit for that. Right? You're not going to wear your, your flyest shit if it's raining and snowing out. You're not going to wear suede shoes or boots if it's torrential downpours outside. That's like creating context and reframing things. That's being agile with context. There are a lot of different ways to do the same thing. There are many different ways to respond to one thing, there are a lot of different ways to react to something. You want to be able to enrich the experiences that you have. And in order to do that, you have to be agile. And in order to be flexible with context and to be good at framing, you have to get yourself words. You have to be flexible with your wordplay. Words are a funny thing because... You know, when we want to get to know someone, or when we want to look at someone and 
try and define who they are to us. A lot of times we do look for words, right? We'll ask them, especially when you're getting to know someone. And people generally are wholly incongruent with what they say about themselves and what they do. Very few of us match what we say we do to what we actually do. Behavior tends to be one of those things that's really, really telling in um, someone to a degree. But also, you know, the situations could uh, have great influence on behavior. So in that regard, words are kind of like useless. But at the same time, words are incredibly powerful because words color everything about our subjective realities. Your words manage how you think. And if you only have 10 words, then you're going to completely limit how you think about them. When you're limited in how you think, you're limited in what you feel, and then you're limited in what you do. Let's take the word failure, for instance. Most of us are afraid of failing. I mean, failure is one of those things that holds many of us back from not only accomplishing many of the things we want to do, but it stops us from even trying them for a variety of reasons. We may have this bizarre fear of not looking good while failing. We can not want to face a reality that maybe we're not as good at something we would like to be at. Failure triggers a lot of powerful defensive positions that cause us to retreat from something even more powerfully, no matter what it is. And a simple word substitution of replacing failing with learning or improving improving will over time recondition the mindset towards the experience and actually eliminate failing from your vocabulary. So two people who face a situation, I'll use skateboarding as an example because skateboarding or freestyle biking, bicycling those are two things that in order to get good at, you're going to fall a lot, you're going to get hurt, you're going to break your equipment, possibly break bones in your body. These guys that are out there that do freestyle tricks on skateboards and freestyle tricks on BMX bikes, these guys are incredible. But no one is born with that ability to do that. And the road to that is incredibly testing. i never forget the first time I went uh, and tried inline skates. I'm a pretty good ice skater, so I, I didn't think nothing of it, and I had um, pretty, pretty high confidence in being able to inline skate. And the very first time I put those skates on, I think I fell within like three seconds, and I fell hard. And throughout that entire day of uh, on being on those inline skates, and mind you, I didn't have any kind of proper protective gear on. But I fell a lot of times, and I fell really hard. But I never thought about giving up or stopping or not doing it. I was determined to try and do it. And I eventually got to the, to the point in that one outing where, obviously, I'm not going to be good after just one day of inline skating. But I had enough confidence 
you know, to do it without falling every five seconds. And I learned to do it. And, you know, when we take on any kind of challenge or, or new thing, we're not going to be good at it. Like, you're never going to be excellent at something the first time you do it. And if you go through life looking for that, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of different things. You'll set yourself up for disappointment. You'll, you'll limit a lot of things um, that you try. A lot of things that you don't try are things that you could become very passionate about. You know, so it's very important to, you know, switch up something like the word failing or failure with learning and improving. Because once you get to the point where you can just take your lumps and say you're learning, you're improving, there's nothing you don't try and there's nothing you don't believe you can get good at. Failure doesn't exist. Because if, the, if you don't use the word, then it doesn't have context with you anymore. That's a, you know, and that's a powerful uh, example of wordplay and reframing. If, on the other hand, you call yourself a failure over every single little thing that is like a bump in the road, you become one of those people, unfortunately, that no one wants to be around. You're like a wet blanket. You're just like, it's like you just produce this negative umbrella of energy that people will always sigh at and roll their eyes around. You know, if you can't cut a carrot, you beat yourself up and you call yourself a failure behind that. You know what I mean? We all like to do things that we feel like we're good at. And everybody could be naturally good at one thing or another or be better naturally at one thing or another. But that doesn't mean you can't improve. It doesn't mean you can't learn. You'd be surprised that a lot of the stories that are behind a lot of people who you look at and you would say to yourself, I wish I could be that good. That person was probably born with it. I was just watching a Kobe Bryant interview where he spoke about how when he was younger in Italy, he wasn't good at playing basketball. Now, he may have had, like, you know, the ideal body for it, let's say, in terms of height, limb, structure, and so forth, because that tends to be the case in a lot of athletics and, and so forth. But, you know, he spoke about he never, how he never, as a child, he didn't get chosen to play in pickup games, or if he did, it was close to last. And when he came to the States, that just, because he didn't have friends, because he moved around a lot, um, I think his dad was in the military or something, but because when he came to the States, he didn't have a lot of friends because he moved around a lot. He spent all of his time just practicing and getting better, improving, you know, and, it, and, and any accomplished basketball player would tell you. Even the, the best of them, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, they miss more shots than they make. You know? Um, you just got to keep trying. keep You know, you, you keep moving forward. No one makes all their shots. And, and that holds true in, in any sport. And, and that's why sports is, is such a valuable uh, tool for learning if you choose to look at it that way. You know, whether it's whatever sport you're into, whether it's basketball or, or whatever. The words you use determine what you see. 
You know, the words you know determine what you see in front of you. A lot of people think color is something that is empirical. Color is not empirical. Color is subjective. There are cultures on the planet that can't see red objects because the word red doesn't exist in their vocabulary. So they see shades of orange or sometimes shades of brown. That's a completely different thing, but I want to illustrate the importance of wordplay. The more words you have at your disposal, the more options and flexibility you have with just about anything in your life because reality is subjectively created. And the way we create all of our realities are by putting labels on different things. And, you know, what we use to label pretty much everything in our existence are words. You know, we respond more faster to pictures and symbols, but we don't, we don't think in, in, in symbols or pictures, right? You know, we need words to create those images. I'm a big advocate of reading. Um, those of you who know me know how much reading is important to me personally, but I also feel like reading is important to people in general. And uh, people are just not reading as much as I think they can and definitely not as much as they should. I mean, look around. Look on the Internet. Look at television. What do you see? What do you see in the political world, in the political climate? How do you see people express themselves these days? How do people speak to one another? Words are becoming extinct. Sentences are becoming extinct. Conversations are becoming extinct as we used to know them. It's evolving, but evolution isn't always something that moves in a a direction of growth. Evolution can also move in a regressive direction. And if you go through your life and illiteracy is rising in a lot of different ways and you're not moving in a direction of growth, then you're moving in the opposite direction because nothing's static. You know, nothing is static in the universe. There's some type of movement. Increasing the number of words you know will help you optimize your life experience. And when you read books and you come across a word you don't know, write it down. Use it in a sentence. Write a sentence out with that word. That solidifies you learning that word and putting it into your mental bank. Remember, you want to get agile with your context. You want to become skillful at framing. And this is only, this is only possible if you employ as many words as you can into these areas. And the only way to start accumulating words in your backpack is to increase the books you read. This is Elliot Yee from the Paradigm Left Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.